I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales. So I am a longtime fitness professional, wellness coach, and multi-certified nutritionist out here on the beautiful West Coast. Rebel Wellness is a space for women around the world who desire a well-rounded understanding over their personal health, who also want to fight the noise of today's diet culture, and who just simply want to access their best health, strength, and life altogether. Nourishing our minds and bodies matters to us, and that's what I hope you can find through these conversations on this podcast. All right, so last episode, I said that in the celebration of spring, everything is blooming here, and I was going to regret that because of my allergies, and I am sitting here today with a sort of stuffy nose, so please pardon that, (laughs) because like I predicted, I am suffering from the allergies. If you can relate, please send me a virtual air hug because I think I am using a small forest of tissues right now. But anyways, stuffy nose, allergy season, aka spring season is definitely upon us and I'm feeling it. But that is another segue into continuing our growth series and we are here today to talk about muscle growth. And more on the side of muscle growth for the feminine body specifically, because it is different and does respond differently than a more testosterone-based body. I also kind of wanted to start it off by, I'm going to present some of the major mistakes that I see women doing often in their journeys for muscle growth, whether they're not experiencing any progress or just feel like they hit a wall. And I'm also going to share the solutions for them. All of these situations I'm going to be sharing are all true from real life that I have seen as a fitness professional over a decade now in this industry, as well as my background in sports nutrition. And it's something I see time and time again. And so it's really important that I kind of bring this into the growth topic because most people plateau or give up because they're not seeing the results they want. And it oftentimes is because of a lot of these mistakes. So you're going to want to take some notes on this one today. If you are having a hard time adding lean muscle, otherwise known as toning, even though a lot of us in the industry don't really like that term for it, it's just what's popular as far as marketing, advertising. We look at muscle tone, we think of shape, etc. So if you're trying to add that lean muscle tone, that shape, you are going to really enjoy what we talk about in this episode today. As always, I would love to hear your feedback. And if you go out and implement these tips for yourself, I'd love to hear if they work for you or if they've helped you. And if you haven't already, come join us on our dedicated Instagram page at Rebel Wellness Podcast or my personal page at Coach by Kales. I love seeing all the new faces as we continue to grow in this new community. It's still smaller, but... For only a couple months, it's growing pretty fast, and I am loving to see everybody who is not already from the CBK community joining. So hello to all of you, especially if you're listening right now. Okay, so the order of progression, I'm going to kind of give this common mistake that I see, and then I'm going to talk you through the best solutions. Mistake number one is simply not eating enough calories. 
And this one is always very challenging for a lot of us to get into our head because pretty much almost all of us have kind of lived in a diet mindset potentially our entire life or our entire adulthood. That comes with the fact that if you think that you should never exceed 2000 calories because you're going to gain too much weight if you eat more than that, that is the indoctrination that you were taught not to eat enough. That is just an arbitrary number that basically our government put together to generalize nutrition labels for the average human. Obviously, that has changed so much even in the last several decades, what the average human looks like or should eat like. And there's such a large spectrum of so many people that should be eating nearly 3,000 calories a day and will never put on an ounce of fat. So if that kind of blows your mind from the first part, listen in. You should be well-fed, especially as a woman. Our bodies need a lot more calories than we think, and I would argue that a lot of our diseases and symptoms and challenges that we face more nowadays are due to the fact that we have been taught to chronically undereat. This is detrimental to any progress with adding muscle to your body because you simply cannot build something without something to build from. So you can't build a house without enough supplies and materials to build said house. Same thing goes for food. Food is the energy and the ability to build actual molecules that create muscle. And without getting too sciency, your body needs enough of these nutrients to also recover your muscle that's already there. And yes, you do have muscle. If you can stand, you have muscle. <laughs> our muscle is literally what makes our bones able to become erect. So we won't be able to do anything without muscle. A lot of people don't think they have abs. We all have abs, whether or not they're defined and strong depends on your body fat percentage. And that's it. It doesn't mean you don't have them at all. So what is the solution to knowing if you're not having enough calories? If you have a hard time staying asleep, getting asleep, if you have a highly stressful job, if you've tracked your food, which I highly recommend this for anybody, track your food on something like MyFitnessPal for like just a week, as perfect as you can, and see how many calories you're eating. And also look at the macronutrient split. So what that means is, are you consuming a lot of fat and carbs and not enough protein? You know, there's a, that's typically what we see, especially for, I would say, almost every single client I've ever coached with nutrition. I have always seen them amazed by like, oh, I totally thought I was eating more than that. Or, oh, I totally thought that I was eating like more balanced for my macros, you know? So that's really eye-opening. Highly recommend you try that at least for a week and see where you land. And that's going to also help you understand where your metabolism is at. Oftentimes, if you are an adult woman and you're eating under 1,650 calories a day, you are underfed. I would argue that probably if you're eating under 1,800 calories a day and you're a relatively active person as far as like walking or you go to the gym or you have some classes or you do Pelotons, you know, et cetera, you probably are completely under eating and your body, including things like your thyroid and your adrenal glands are probably stressed because you're not fueling yourself enough. Eating more calories does not always equate that you're going to gain more weight. I know that the common jargon that goes around all the time in especially the dieting culture is eat less, move more or calories in, calories out. That's pretty much a really... <laughs> 
toxic concept for a lot of us females who are just kind of like constantly in diet mode, because that's how we end up living our life is we're just in this weird energy equation in our heads. Am I constantly eating under what I expended today? And a lot of the times we don't even actually know what our individual body is truly burning. And we're just guessing and under eating for years, for years and years and years. So best thing you can do other than just logging and learning where you're at is understanding your total daily energy expenditure. And you can pair this concept with how many calories you're eating when you log your day-to-day on MyFitnessPal and get a huge wake-up call of whether or not you're eating enough. So the equation for your total daily energy expenditure is going to be something called NEAT, EAT, TEF, and BMR. NEAT is non-exercise activity thermogenesis, so that's how many calories you're burning passively in the day. Moving from room to room, standing, sitting, walking around, all of that is NEAT. EAT is exercise activity thermogenesis, so that's what you do when you go do a Peloton ride, when you go to your yoga class, when you go to the gym to lift, whatever it is, that would be EAT. TEF is thermic effect of food. We don't really care about this one too much because it's kind of nominal in this equation. Um, It's basically how much does the thermogenesis increase the calorie burn in your body based off of what foods you eat. But again, this is kind of very sciencey. We don't really kind of keep track of that, but it is still part of this equation. Um, And the BMR, so that's your basal metabolic rate. That's how many calories you're burning at rest. If you were just a potato sitting on your couch, that'd be how many calories you burn. Across the board, I would say for majority of my clients, especially ones who actually got um, an in-body scan or any type of body fat scan that also measured their lean body mass, pretty much every female from kind of all different shapes and sizes are burning between 1,250 calories to 1,600 calories in their BMR. So that's just existing. That's a baseline. So you land somewhere in there most likely. That's already pretty much 1,600 calories, right? So if you are eating under that, you're going far under because we didn't even equate in any of your non-exercise activity or your exercise activity. And then once you have that number, you're going to want to add 200 to 400 calories more if your goal is growth, because you need to be in a surplus to actually grow and gain muscle. Sometimes a little bit of fat gain is involved in that. That is just normal. You have to get comfortable with the fact that if you're going to grow, you do sometimes have to put on body fat. And oftentimes I see this happen more so because a lot of clients have been chronically under eating. So get comfortable with the expectation that if your goal is to add on muscle, you will have to grow all around how you do it and which macros you consume in what ratios has a huge influence on, do you just put on a bunch of body fat or do you actually dominantly put on muscle? That brings me into mistake number two, not eating enough protein specifically. So protein as the macronutrient and the right amount of protein. So kind of taking back to that last total daily energy expenditure, when you figure out those calories you need for the day, this is going to be important for you to explore, again, using some sort of tool like MyFitnessPal, where it can guide you through certain macronutrient goals for the day. If you don't use something like that, A general rule of thumb is that you should be eating 0.8 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of lean body mass. 
an issue I see a lot of people kind of misguide people on is they say, eat a gram of protein per pound of body weight. And that totally does not work for most people that exceed 190 pounds. That's an insane amount of protein to eat. And if the goal is to preserve and grow lean body mass, such as muscle, you don't need that much protein to consume it against excess body fat. So if you're somebody who has a large amount of excess body fat, that's not going to be helpful for you. So don't follow that rule. Follow understanding where your lean body mass is and times it by essentially 0.8 to 1.2. For layman's terms or just for kind of a shortcut, I generally would say for most females, aim for anywhere between 100 to 150 or 160 grams of protein daily, depending on your muscle goal and how much appetite you also have as well. But I really wouldn't go under 100 grams when you're trying to grow. And I constantly see so many females under eating protein. It is usually the main reason they are not growing more muscle. They can be working so hard in the gym, but if they're not eating enough and the right source, you're not going to see growth because the body just literally can't if it doesn't have, again, the building blocks to create the muscle fibers and to recover them, etc. But that also brings me to reminding you or maybe teaching you that there is such a thing as incomplete protein sources and complete protein sources. So peanut butter is not a protein. No matter how it's marketed, I don't know why it has been marketed so highly as protein. It's a fat source. It can become more of a protein source when they like dehydrate it and condense it down. But oftentimes, it's still not a complete amino acid complex, which is what equates whether or not it's a complete protein or an incomplete. Incomplete proteins are missing the nine essential amino acids required by the body to be consumed to create muscle. So there's 21 amino acids that are involved in protein synthesis. 11 of them can be made by our body on its own through different food sources, etc., and different processes and systems on its own. Nine of them have to be consumed from our food. And this is where it gets a little challenging for people who don't consume animal proteins or animal sources because those are the most complete protein right out the gate. So just knowing that if you are somebody who does not consume animal sources of protein, you're going to have a harder time putting on muscle without being extremely intentional about combining foods to complete the amino acid complex every day. And if you're eating incomplete sources in imbalances throughout the day, those grams on the labels are not going to add up the same as a complete protein. So it's really important to better understand that you have to combine different foods to actually get the complete grams. So in order to create a complete protein out of incomplete proteins, you're going to have to take multiple foods with different amino acids of plant-based or wherever your sources are coming from and add those together to create a complete protein for your body to have all of those nine essential amino acids in your stomach to start protein synthesis. This is something that can be complicated because a lot of the times on the back of plant-based protein sources, they'll say 20 grams of protein. However, because it's not all going to be completed in the ratios that your body needs, 
you might actually only be absorbing like 10 grams of actual complete protein. So this is where it can be complicated. Should you be plant-based versus omnivore? Not that one thing is right or wrong. It's just important to understand that you might not be eating enough protein. Therefore, your body cannot simply build any more muscle or maintain your current muscle because you are under eating it and overexerting yourself in the gym. Because every time we go to the gym, we're tearing our muscles apart. That's why we get sore. And our body's adaptation is to make them stronger and larger. And this is necessary to be well-fed and have enough protein. If you don't get those in, if you don't check those boxes, you just tore your muscle apart and a lot of it could get expelled through the body because it is no longer fulfilled with enough nourishment because our body does break down muscle to create more protein for other systems in the body because it's not simply only for muscle and it will utilize your muscle to access more of those amino acids from the essential amino acids because it cannot create those nine amino acids on its own. So this is where muscle wasting tends to come in as well. So be aware of that, especially if you're lifting very heavy and under eating your protein in its complete sense. So hopefully that wasn't too confusing because I know this topic can be like, what? Because especially nowadays, we don't really talk about this concept But in the world of fitness and muscle building and metabolism, this is something that every expert knows and it's not arguable, essentially. So it's really important that you understand that just, again, so you can set your expectations. And adding muscle, I'm also going to add in as a solution for this issue, if you are somebody who is maybe is plant-based or was plant-based, your body depletes its stores of nutrients over time, especially if it's been deprived of certain certain nutrient sources and sometimes it's important to understand that you are the master of your body you can pick and choose seasons so if you're in a season where you need to grow muscle depending on where you are spiritually with your choice it could be worth your health and your goal of growth to not spin your wheels and maybe just start adding in some complete protein sources from whatever animal protein sources make you feel comfortable. That's something that's really important to understand that sometimes our health isn't as dogmatic as food choices we make. And I know that this can sometimes be a little bit uncomfortable to talk about, but it's really important to understand that you can go through seasons where you reincorporate animal proteins to heal your body, replenish those stores, shift back into plant-based, find your balance, whatever works for you. But it's really important to understand that no matter what, Symptoms will show up after time when you deprive a body from certain nutrient sources that are essential for you. And if you have fallen short on your journey in the past of being intentional and understanding how to support that food choice, it's totally okay if you need to adjust to protect your health, okay? That's simply what I'm talking about is putting that in the forefront of your mentality around your longevity and the way that essentially you can show up for yourself and your community. Okay, shifting back now, mistake number three that I always see is not challenging your muscles enough 
to a capacity that makes them grow. This I see all the time in the gym. Usually, especially in anyone who's never worked with a trainer or in a group class that has somebody kind of coaching them. It's so easy to not actually understand the threshold of where our body is truly challenged or where our mind is challenged. And this is something that they kind of push the boundaries in, especially for like military training, for like the SEALs. They push them past where their brain is like, I'm going to give up. We have these mechanisms in our body that are survival techniques really to keep us able to push really hard, but not so hard that we're completely gassed out just in case something triggers fight or flight and we need to access adrenaline and energy again. This is why it's in place. There's something like, I think we only utilize 40 to 50% of our actual capability of energy systems in certain moments at a time just to preserve that potential necessity. So with that said, a lot of us only access maybe 20% of our actual challenge point. This is where being a trainer has kind of been fun because a lot of times I will watch clients when they're working out on their own, just kind of pick up the 15s again. And I'll be like, "Mm, let's go with the 20. Let's go with the 22. Let's go with the 25. And they'll be like, what? Are you serious? And I'm like, do it. And then they do it. And they're like, holy cow, I had no idea I was that strong. Do know too, it's pretty much impossible for females to become bulky without trying really hard for really long. It's kind of like assuming that you'll pick up a weight and become a bodybuilder. And those people train for years and years and years and often take different things like steroids and testosterone supplementation, et cetera, to get that large. If you think you could just lift heavy weights for a few days and get big and bulky like that, uh, it's kind of insulting to them in a way, you know what I mean? Because they work so hard to get that large and it's something they truly want. A lot of us don't really want to get super large and kind of um, more of the masculine energy. That's something where you have to also understand just challenging your body with heavier weights and pushing it further does not directly equate suddenly becoming super masculine. And if we're being honest, that term is literally what most of us females are trying to avoid with when they call it bulky. That's pretty much what they're saying. And I'm just going to say it like as it is, because that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. And some people do want to look more like that. However, majority of females I've encountered don't. And that's what they get all afraid. And they're like, I can never touch heavier than 12s. And I'm like, please try it. You're holding yourself back by not doing heavier. So the solution for this is trying to progressively overload with your workouts. This means every week, increase your weights by 5% or so. Sometimes I go by a rule of with certain movements, go up five to 10 pounds every two or three workouts or do the percentage thing. If you want to do the math, a lot of the times it just kind of works better with going with like the five to 10 pounds. Um, If you're squatting, back squatting with a barbell, five pound increments can be really exhausting and hard to kind of move up on. And if you're hip thrusting, a lot of times you can work up 10, 20 pounds every week and make significant gains because that's one of those movements that you can increase the weight faster, really impressively. And just know, and then if it's like, if you're doing a back, like a single arm row with a dumbbell, 
go up two and a half pounds every few weeks or so. And those are good ways to push the envelope and continue to grow. Sometimes you hit a wall and that's a good sign to either kind of give yourself a deload day, like every four to five weeks or so, give yourself a week, either where you take the week off or some of those days off, or you scale it down to like 50% of your expenditure or intensity rather And then the next week, go back up again. Sometimes it's really important for us to give our bodies some space and then challenge the muscles again. I'd say kind of for this mistake, something I see people doing is overtraining. So doing too much all the time, not giving their body any rest, and also not challenging their muscles to a capacity to grow by not pushing heavier weights and not putting themselves in the position where it is more exhausting, you know, where you kind of want to give up and then you do one or two more. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger used to say that, like get to where you want to quit and do two more. And again, trust me, this technique is not going to make you bulky. There are so many women I could just personally DM you photos of who lift like 200 to 300 pounds and hip thrust 400 pounds and are that lean toned vibe that pretty much everybody is trying to achieve. So do not be afraid to challenge your muscles. They will not grow if you're still using the same weights you used like two or three months ago. They're not gonna, they're just not gonna adapt. They have nothing to adapt to. And with that comes in mistake number four, not following the right programming or always changing it up with your workouts. So there's kind of always been this weird phrase where it's like, You want to confuse the muscle and change up your workouts all the time. And this is okay for general fitness if you get bored or something like that. And it also applies to the fact that oftentimes some people do only the same routine for multiple years and you kind of should be changing your programming maybe every three or four months, depending on what your goals are. But if you're looking for muscle growth, you need to teach a muscle maturity. So that comes with time. So teaching a muscle maturity means that a muscle is going to be under tension for a certain amount of repetitions over time. With certain movement patterns, let's say a deadlift, you're going to want to do that deadlift, the same movement pattern for multiple weeks, multiple months, increasing the weight so that muscle can grow. It's not going to be able to grow its best If you're constantly changing it up and like for two weeks, you do deadlifts for three weeks, you do lunges for four weeks, you do back squats, you know, you can grow muscles, but they're not going to grow in a way where they get matured in that movement pattern and develop stronger. So again, a huge mistake I see a lot of people do is they don't follow any progressive programming when they have a goal of growing a certain muscle. And they're always changing it up with their workouts and doing like too much variety. A lot of the times keeping it simple and increasing the volume. So how many repetitions under time under tension is how a muscle will adapt and grow. And so you don't really have to get that fancy. Fancy stuff is a little bit more for adding some variety to burn out a muscle at the end. But I do always recommend for those who have like glute growth goals to probably just stick to the major compound movements that will grow your glutes like hip thrusts and Bulgarian split squats, etc., and keep doing those and increasing the weight week to week as the 
meat and potatoes of your workout. Then throw in some kickbacks, throw in some frog pumps, throw in some, you know, different things like that are kind of like what you sprinkle on top. So just know that you don't need to just change it up. And this is also where like fitness classes, if you have a goal to grow better glutes and stuff, but you're showing up to Orange Theory three times a week, it's probably hindering your progress because again, you're doing a little too much and it's not progressively loading those muscles in like a heavier and heavier manner. So you're basically just kind of utilizing your muscles and doing a lot of cardio in those classes in a way that's not at the threshold to grow. And a lot of times it's common just kind of seeing a lot of people do a combination of these things. So a lot of times we're not eating enough, definitely not hitting the protein number. We're not challenging ourselves enough. And as far as exhausting the muscle to a capacity where it wants to grow in size. And then we're also kind of changing it up with workouts too much or doing too much cardio. And all of these things kind of combine together to make it really hard for your muscle to actually grow and show up with that size and muscle tone that we're looking for. I guess kind of on that, I would also add something I tend to see a lot of people add into their routine while they're trying to add lean muscle is too much cardio. So if you are somebody who's doing a lot of spin biking, like as in more than 30 minutes, more than two times a week or so, or running, especially cardio for long distance triggers something in the body that's called muscle pairing, where it actually inhibits your ability to grow more muscle because your body wants to be really careful about how much energy you're expending. And more lean muscle burns more calories at rest, which can become dangerous when you are also constantly expending energy from too much cardio. So your body's protective mechanism, so to speak, is to not let your body gain more lean muscle because it's going to be harder to keep you in a position where you're not basically starving to death. And again, if you're under eating your calories every day, doing a lot of cardio sessions and trying to weight lift, thinking you're going to be putting on lean muscle, you might not be because cardio might be kind of negating or taking over too much energy expenditure from what you're doing every single week. So again, kind of going back to that season concept, if you want to be in a season of muscle growth, you might have to reduce how much cardio you're doing shorten the time, turn it into LIS, which is called low intensity steady state cardio, or MISS, moderate intensity steady state cardio. Those two are going to be a little bit more non-triggering to this muscle pairing system that tends to occur when you're doing too much. You can actually use something like HIT, high intensity interval training, to get that cardiovascular benefit from cardio as well as maintain lean muscle mass. However, going back to my episode five about HIT will be really important because there's also a lot of mistakes people make and they think they're doing HIT. Like again, Orange Theory is not a HIT class. It's far too long to be a true HIT class. HIT should really not exceed maybe 15 to 20 minutes maximum. So definitely check that episode out. It's a great one and it's very insightful as well. But overall, I hope that all of these different kind of mistakes, if you felt like, oh, I'm personally victimized by Kales right now, 
It's okay. It's been me for every single one of those in my past. And it's probably almost every single one of my clients when they first meet me and we work together. It's something that by design with the way that we talk about the female body and how women have really not cared to put on muscle the way we do now. It's very new. It's pretty much only been since like the 70s or so that large amounts of females have decided I'm going to put on some significant muscle. I want to be strong. I want very large developed glutes, you know, and these things are not quite as easy as just doing several squats a day with 12 pound weights. So if any of that blew your mind, (laughs) I'd love to uh, hear about it and share this episode with somebody you think needs to hear these kind of tips as well. As always, step into your strength and I hope you walk with confidence, especially even more so after all of this chat. And I would love to hear your feedback or throw us a five stars if you're listening on Spotify. And cheers to your muscle growth. I will catch you on another episode next Sunday here at Rebel Wellness. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of Rebel Wellness. If you loved what you heard and you are ready to take your wellness journey to the next level, follow me on Instagram at Coach by Kales for daily nuggets of health and fitness wisdom. We release new episodes weekly on Sundays, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss an update. As always, lean into your strength, walk with confidence, and celebrate your nourishment. We'll catch you next Sunday on Rebel Wellness.